Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode number 53. And we are joined today by Charlotte Luzuka, who is joining us all the way from South Africa. Hello, Charlotte. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. And I hope I didn't butcher your name, Luzuka. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I'm very sensitive. I'm very sensitive about names. (laughs) I try my very best. Okay. So Charlotte is (laughs) East African, born in the Sotu and raised in South Africa. She's currently based in South Africa as well. Uh, She's 35 years old and she's worked in a wide variety of industries ranging from land transport public health, development finance, and telematics. Wow, that is a a wide variety of industries. And she has always had a desire to be her own boss and took a leap of faith to join a new startup, which sadly closed down in a few months. And this, however, gave her the push she needed to co-found Oya Venture, a business that is looking to build an ecosystem that supports and nurtures female entrepreneurs on the African continent by creating physical and virtual spaces to enable a community of support, as well as sourcing funding for early stage entrepreneurs. And with over 14 years of experience in innovation strategy and financial management, as well as an MBA, she has honed an ability to identify potential solutions and business models for complex problems. So welcome, Charlotte. Hello, hello, hello to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Great. It's so weird being on the side of the uh, podcast. Yeah, no, it's fun, it's fun, it's fun. And we're going to discuss today um, imposter syndrome and maintaining your confidence as you start up. So to begin with, first things first, I remember when you told me um, Oya Venture, where you got the name from, would you mind telling everyone how you came up with the, the name Oya or your team, you, you guys together collectively? Yeah. Because I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. So uh, we had just read the book, A Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, um, who was the founder of Nike, and we found out that yeah, he is the Greek goddess. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to think of a name for our at that stage it was just going to be a a venture capital fund and hence the venture and so we thought how about we look for African goddesses and we googled a whole bunch and Oya who is a goddess which comes from Yoruba in Nigeria and for the Yoruba people in Nigeria and we just resonated with what represented death, lightning storms and renewal um, which is what we are trying to do you know create um, a new path for female entrepreneurs and we also just loved the way it sounded oh yeah it's really easy to remember yeah i like it a lot oh yeah oh yeah venture it's it it just works it clicks thanks for telling us thanks for sharing that with everyone because i think that's really brilliant how you you guys clearly put a lot of thought into into that and i like that it represent what it represents which which says a lot about what you guys are um aiming to create so tell us a little bit about you and how you arrived at where you are to today building building this business <clears throat> yeah so i guess you, you quite you know overall high level of the highlights of yeah just i guess just to add to it 
So growing up in Africa, being a culture kid, um, you know, you've always in this really strange of of not really being there. It kind of helps you sometimes because you can kind of step back and see things from perspective. So it got me to love the African continent. So I've always wanted to to have a positive impact on the African continent. And sometimes there are things just by, by virtue of belonging anywhere. You have the benefit of fully being involved in group things so you can see things from a different perspective and you can see solutions that others sometimes and but so throughout my life I've been trying to figure out can use that um, skill in a in a way that benefits the African continent. I started off as an auditor, an external auditor, did my accounting article and it was a good skill there in terms of identifying risks and finding mistakes, etc. But I was passionate about that. I didn't feel like I was helping anybody. Yes, if you, you know, in a roundabout way, you can figure out helping people in terms of shareholders and stakeholders, et cetera, but not directly. I then moved into the public sector because people said, oh, you go into the public sector, you can be a little bit more helpful there. But because of my role, I ended up in governance corporate governance manager, <clears throat> similar to what I was doing before, so it still didn't feel like I was making much of a change. I've also got a passion for travel um, because my parents traveled quite a bit and growing up we used to do, you know, drove from South Africa all the way through to Uganda a couple of times. They instilled this love of travel and I hadn't left the African continent. So I got an opportunity to go and live in South Korea. Uh, mm-hmm. to teach English mm-hmm. and I moved there in 2009 it was meant to just be one year when I figured out what I would do because I've always wanted to do some entrepreneurial thing but I was just always so scared like, I don't know where to begin mm-hmm. and you'd want to be thing that had a social impact just wasn't sure exactly so I looked at different forms of education because I know you know everyone knows that education is the great um equalizer mm. and you, you could you know just living in a developing especially one that has such parities between those who have and those who realize that you could see from the, the schools the education that i had and how it benefited me because some of the uh, you know where majority of south africans were did not have access to this to such education but uh, so anyway, so I end up in South Korea, using that opportunity to kind of figure out what I'm going to do, et cetera. And ironically, education space, because you know, teaching anything in my mind. Ended up for three years, was loving life. And then I started, I actually was enjoying my work because now I actually had a direct impact, especially when you could see how people would improve and change and their confidence levels would grow. And, and, if, and in particular, when you would be, teaching someone and you could see I remember one time I tutored a gentleman who then got a job I one of the doing English interview and he was very very um he wasn't in his skills or in his abilities and just seeing that that immediate impact that you had it was it was euphoric so I, I was I necessarily wanted to stay in education but I knew I definitely wanted to stay it had direct impact and I thought I want to do something back it up so I left to South Africa, but it's this weird 
I'm not sure what it is. I think there's this, in South Africa, viewership, and even if you look at any reports and um, studies done around entrepreneurship on the African continent, we are the least entrepreneurial. And I don't know if it's the remnants of apartheid or, or, or what it is, but I think it's all, maybe it's even that we're literally, there are parts of South Africa that look in a first world country, a developed country, mm. and the other parts yeah. that in a developing country. And so I think it's that weird disparity of where, because people see what it's like to live in a division, there's no desire to push as much as the rest of the continent. Mm. And if you're in, uh, if you are in a disadvantaged or underprivileged situation, just I guess it's more of a case of when you see that. It, I think it would be different if we were like the rest of the continent, where you are, you know, the majority of us are all suffering when there's a push and a desire to really get yourself out of this. So necessity is of innovation, and I think in South Africa that's really why we have one of the, the lowest growth rates on the continent, lowest entrepreneurial drive. And so when I came back, it's just, you get sucked in. So I had all these great businesses I wanted to start when I came back. Came back and got sucked in and we went back. And you just get sucked in, too scared to take that leap. Mm. So I decided, let me do an MBA, because I thought maybe with an MBA, I'll get the confidence yeah. to start a business. The confidence that you need. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Build your network and people. all of mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. To co-found the business. And while I was there, I still, I changed jobs. So I still remain employed. And I wasn't, this was not what I was going to I'm not a person who can stick to the red tape, the bureaucracy, the, you know, you need to work from this hour to that hour and nobody really cares about how productive, no one's really measuring your real productivity or the impact that you're having. It's just bombs on scene. And also, basically, uh, or, or the, or what do they call these metrics? Um, cosmetic metrics. You, know, yeah. you can get those, like you're doing well, but they, are, are you really doing anything? So in terms of that, that desire to have a real impact, impact on people, you know, and the jobs that I was in just was never, um, I wasn't expecting anymore. So decided I wasn't quite ready to get to my day job, entrepreneurship, but I still wanted to help out. So, sorry, my cat, sorry. I can my screen. Um, I decided I wanted to start a podcast. Okay. And in the past, I was interviewing entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. African entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. who, because what I would see, you tended to see, were people who had done phenomenally well, were billionaires. Um, and even if they were African, very few in poverty, most of them were American, but even if they were African, and also believe and you hear their stories, and even if they tell you about how they fit, et cetera, it still seemed impossible, or it seemed like an open fist. And so I wanted to start to speak to people who were actually through it, who are currently going through the, the good and the bad, and have them talk 
open honestly about their experiences in the hopes that it would inspire other entrepreneurs and also myself indirectly to just mm. take that leap of faith um, and I'm just, it's not going to be easy it's not easy for anyone but that it is possible to still make a living to still be successful and success is not necessarily being a billionaire success could just be that you've got a revenue, a revenue every single month and you are something that you love um, so that was my foray into the entrepreneurial world but it became yeah. difficult for me to maintain that while I worked full time. I met a lot of really interesting people and I learned a lot. And the people to my podcast learned a lot. And I decided, okay, I need to actually do a little bit more. So when I was approached by a friend who had started a startup, I think by the time she approached, it had been around for 10 months, but she only asked me to even join. It had been around for maybe 18 months. Mm-hmm. I decided to take a leap of faith and I was going to be employed and to be paid relatively well. Um, I, although those should have all been big signs for me. <laughs> mm. um, something was not, not quite kosher, but I really believed in the business. She was a very smart, intelligent lady who I knew from the MBA. So in a, in a way the MBA did actually get to to finally take that leap of faith. And so I joined up as an executive, meant to be a co-founder eventually, she was going to share shares. And unfortunately, there was a just, it just, just weren't quite what they seemed. And very quickly, um, it fell apart. Wow. So like many startups do. Yeah, exactly. Many startups do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, when you tell people like, oh, you got your training. <laughs> wheels off <laughs> you're ready now yeah um, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> it, I certainly it, it's amazing I, I was there six months and I learned from the ins and outs of the business things that you shouldn't do things you should look out for learning to trust your gut you know things that you sometimes listen to yourself and so um I then trying to start, you know, go back to my old ways of finding another business, I mean, a business to work for, to be an employee again. And I just was so saddened by it. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to be an employee anymore. Mm. And so some friends of mine, and again, another friend from the MBA, she, from the moment I met her, I'd been going on about entrepreneurship. And she was also interested in entrepreneurship, but only from a, from a but female entrepreneur, supporting female entrepreneurs. And she said, you know, well, I'm trying to start, um, Oya, so Oya, we had been talking about it, but we had, you know, we had Aming and I, and she's like, we really want to get Oya off the ground now that you're unmarried, and maybe this is the time to do it. Mm. And I was like, you know what? It's probably better I do this instead of, you know, wallowing in my sorrow. Right. <laughs> and, and it's three and of you, right? And, and is it three of you yes, together? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my two co-founders, one co-founder, Lee, we did our MBA together, and Mr. Adi. So they, Adi started a business with two other partners about 10 years ago. and doing absolutely phenomenal well, but it's not her passion. It's a great bit of digital marketing. They generate leads for financial services. They define the P, insurers or banks then call and say we've got a problem so they've done really really well with that business 
growing some bounds, but she wanted to do something that was close, more close with her passions and her passion is around entrepreneurship and supporting female entrepreneurs in particular, as well as actually, um, you know, to create feel of or, or look when it comes to entrepreneur or successful entrepreneurs in South Africa. Why did you why did you guys choose to focus on female entrepreneurs? So the reason for that is that more in South Africa, ironically, majority of the entrepreneurs are men, mm-hmm. even though women are actually better entrepreneurs, mm. more successful. Mm. But more men doing it and the women who are entrepreneurs tend to be more survivalist entrepreneurs i just need to feed my family or feed myself pay the bills. necessity yeah yeah and so we are trying to change that because we mm-hmm. also believe that women tend to have a community effect in terms of the benefits so if you and one woman the knock on impact 10 others and etc so no offense to men but they tend to and you know the knock-off effect tends to just have their, or maybe one or two other people in their circle. you think men are a bit more individ- you think men are more individualistic when it comes to their approach and women are more community oriented yes and i don't know if it's just by our nature or mm. um or by the fact it's just environments we were raised in mm. Maybe it's a bit of both. Naturally nature come that way. Could be a bit of both. Yeah. I know some argue yeah, that it's, most it's nature. Some argue that it's nurture. But I, I would say it's a bit of both. Um, but you do meet guys yeah. who are very, who, who are very community oriented. But again, that goes back to the way that we're raised yes. and, and their mindset as well. That's true. And then, and then there are times you meet some women who are very cutthroat and very ruthless. So yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. But um, I want to go back to a few things that you said. Firstly, um, your parents yeah. are amazing. <laughs> I, met you through yeah. your, I met you through your dad. And you're, you said that you were yes. third, you're a third culture kid. Um, you are half Ugandan or both of your parents are Ugandan? So my dad is like a mixture of Tanzanian, Ugandan, um, Right. Tanzania raised in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda. Right. But he, he also, you know, has some uh, relatives who are Ugandan. Right. His mother is half Ugandan. Okay. So my mother's 100 Ugandan. Um, right. Met in Lesotho. Right. You, you moved to Lesotho, right? right? They, yeah, they met in Lesotho. They so met. They both in, on the, yeah. So they all both ended up in Lesotho for different reasons, met their fell in love. Yeah, and then moved to South Africa. Uh, at that stage, my father actually had opportunities to go to Dubai, the US, mm-hmm. um, I think even Singapore and South Africa. So it was like a weird, he just said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to South Africa. Or to Africa. So you are Africa. you are a daughter of Africa, one hundred percent. That's quite yeah. Nice. Tanzania, yeah. Uganda, Kenya, little South Africa. So that's a great. And your parents are doing some very interesting things in Uganda now. They run a, a sort of wellness retreat, sort of boutique kind of um, spa and hotel, right? 
Yes. Yeah, um, I, I remember when I met yeah. your dad. I remember when I met your dad, I was like, that's my place. I want to come to that place. And um, he was so enthusiastic. And he was just talking about his wife and his daughters. He said, you have to meet my daughter. I was like, okay. And um, <laughs> here, here we are. So it, we, we can't have this podcast without mentioning your, your amazing parents mm-hmm. and mentioning the fact that you are a daughter of Africa. So you, 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 you really, you know, East and Southern Africa, and then you've got this name, which incorporates um, Nigeria. And West. West, <laughs> yeah, which is far West. So I think that's, that's really, really amazing. So you've told us the whole story. What was it like living in Korea for three years? What was that experience like? Well, um, so I would say the first I did try, it was a little bit of a culture shock in terms of, because it's, I've never really been in, I was in the mind in terms of a black person. So that was a shock to get used to. Mm. The land was so different. The food was so different. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, the character, not characters, but the alphabet. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Korean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but do you realize it's an alphabet and you learn it and you start to, I started to learn more Korean. It became a little bit better. And then you start to see the things that are really amazing things that I absolutely like. I mean, the food, the convenience, super fast internet. Yeah. Just ease of travel around Asia. Yeah. But, and then also started to see similarities in terms of culture. Like, so in Korea, I don't know in China, if they do the same, they yeah. hold, they're the one hand on the other hand that when you give something to somebody mm. in particular someone's older than you or out of you know out of respect which the zulus do here in south africa oh really uh, they also yeah um they also there's a some of the kids say when they would be describing their cousins and they say my cousin sister or my cousin brother which South Africans also say that, uh, you know, Africans say that as well. And I'm, I'm, I, I didn't grow up in this. I just suspect they'd also probably say similar because in the African languages in South Africa, you don't really work cousin. You kind of have to just, you refer them to as your sister, your brother, but there's a way that kind of infers in like from the same parents, but they are related to you. Mm. And so, so people go with this whole idea because they want to say, I want my male cousin, my female cousin. So they yeah. say brother, cousin, cousin, brother, cousin, sister. Koreans would say that as well. And I was so fascinated by that. You know, I've had a lot of people say, I've had a lot of people say to me that they think um, who've lived both in countries in, in, in East Asia, specifically East Asia and on the continent in Africa, that they find a lot of similarities between the the cultures and i'm not surprised i think many of the cultures of the world are more connected than they are different particularly east asia sub-saharan africa certain parts of the middle east i think we try to uh to to put these artificial kind of gaps between us but when you look when you look down at it there's there's definitely similarities especially with family you know the in in east asia china south korea japan it's very much communal you work in the yes. in the interests of the family and of the community, and I think that's also a very, if you want to call it an African, yeah. as well. So there's a lot of of that. You know, the individual is not really at the front of the of the of yeah. the of the conversation. So I think there's a lot of, of similarities, and that's that's great. Yeah, 
So now let's jump into the topic. So imposter syndrome and maintaining your confidence as you build a startup. So what has been your experience thus far? Well, first of all, Oya, Oya, how long has it been around? I think it's three years now you guys are. Oh, no, 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 it's not three years. So the idea started, so it's been a year we first okay. conceptualized what we to do, but officially, officially came off the ground in two months. Over. Two months. Well, where did I get three years from? My goodness. Maybe I'm thinking. I remember when we spoke initially. You told me you were talking about it for a long time, but in reality, it's been off the yeah. ground for for two months. So this is a real yeah. startup, and you are representative of this. Yeah. You are an early stage woman entrepreneur in a developing economy. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So exciting yes. times. One hundred percent early stage. <laughs> Definitely. No, but that's great. That's yeah. Great. That's great. So what, are, what have been your experiences thus far with, uh, with imposter syndrome, with maintaining your confidence and, and all of that stuff? Because you're obviously an intelligent woman, an accomplished woman, an educated woman, formal training, everything. So why would someone like you suffer from imposter syndrome? <laughs> I don't know. I guess this may be something a lot of women Oh yeah, I'm just being cheeky. <laughs> it doesn't. It has nothing to do with all of that. Yeah. I'm just being cheeky. Yeah. So yeah, tell us, tell us yeah. your experience with that. I guess so. I've always always had a problem with imposter syndrome. Well, we've had it since um, since I started working. Because I think when I was younger, I was so confident. It was amazing. So confident. I, I wish I could get it back. Mm. But I. I think when I started to environment where suddenly I was deemed to be incompetent just because I was a woman or just because I was black, oh, yeah. despite what I did, I, it took a, a huge knock to my confidence. And, I agree. And I'm sorry, but slowly trying to build that back up and build that confidence. And so I, I think that that's the root of master's. But in the while I'm feeling it is, and also part of the reason why it took me so long, you know, take the leap to become an entrepreneur. You know, sometimes I wish I'd done it when I was still younger and confident, more confident than I am now, is every time you second guess yourself. And sometimes my biggest fear is that I will do research from blue in the face and never actually something. And, and, and even when I do start something, if it's not 100 perfect, I, I have failed and so mm-hmm. it's around so with and I think for me that's one of my biggest fears I'm aware of it and it's so weird because you're aware of it but awareness is important so, yeah because then when those it thoughts is. come you it can is. control them and you can and you can click it around and the point you made just now is so salient because I can relate to that and I think sometimes these narratives that we hear all the time we take on these narratives that are not our own i mean i grew up in the caribbean yeah. okay where it's like 99.9 people of color <laughs> majority well on my island <laughs> let, let me rephrase that my island because all of the caribbean is not like that okay but my island where i grew up okay. my parents uh country, my country, Sinkit and Nubis, is like 90, 96% people of African descent. Where I grew up in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands uh-huh. is 90-something percent as well. And then you've got lots of other ethnicities. But people identify as quote-unquote black. And growing up, I, I had this immense amount of confidence 
However, when I was 18 and I moved to the US, all of a sudden this narrative around me being less than because I'm black, because that's the American narrative, right? It's very easy to fall into that and take on that narrative. Then when I lived in the UK yeah. and, I worked, and I worked in a male-dominated industry, all of a sudden there's this narrative again of me being less than because I'm female. And then you start to take on that narrative. Yeah. And I think people fail because of that, that type of narrative, because of that expectation. If you're constantly being told like in the US, if every image you see, if everywhere you go, you're constantly being somehow praised because, oh my God, she made it and she's black. I'm like, and? <laughs> you know, because this is not <laughs> this is not the Caribbean experience. This is not what we go through in the Caribbean. I always say I didn't become black until I went to America. But that's a separate conversation. And I think, again, oh, wow. that has not, that has, not that I didn't know I was black, but this, this quote-unquote blackness. Yeah, yeah. It becomes, <laughs> it becomes very... You know, when you live in the U.S., that's a whole other story. But I think, and that's, that's so much connected to what you just said, because you just said you didn't feel like you were inferior until you were, con- you, were, you, were, you were meant to feel inferior. So it was either that narrative that you were constantly hearing, because you hear it all the time. Oh, women lack confidence. And I'm like, really? But I know so many yeah. women. But <sighs> if you keep saying to women that they lack confidence, they're going to, I think, internally they aspire to that so it's that expectation you know and that's i think that's really really important when it comes to people of color living in predominantly white societies i think it it's specifically relative for women who live in you know all societies are technically male dominated but you know in industries that it's very male um we just kind of we just kind of i don't know we become what we are expected to become and that's so sad and that's such a yeah. detriment because there's so many talented people that don't achieve because they're, they're aspiring, but they're aspiring to an expectation. And I think that's a big part of this imposter syndrome. It's almost like what you're being told. Yeah. You fed down your throat. Yeah. So true. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you're a very intelligent woman. Anybody listening to this podcast is probably thinking, oh, what does she have to feel imposter? What? You know, and I go to these events you know, where I meet all these incredible women and then you, you see a woman and she stands up and she's very confident and you hear her credentials and her everything. And then she says, oh my God, but I had imposter syndrome. And it's like, no, 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 don't. <laughs> but, you know, but it happens to all of us, you know, you know, somebody contacts yeah. me and I get excited and I'm like, did they really call me? Is it really, really like, oh my God, because you <laughs> almost feel like you don't deserve it. But why do we feel that way? Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's what we need to kind of, to kind of get, get to the root of this, this imposter thing that comes in our heads. And, but I think being aware is good because then I know when I have, have it, I talk myself out of it because I know it's just a thought and it's not real, you know? So like, what do you do? Yeah. You feel it coming on. Ooh. So I guess me, I, oh, I, I, so I've joined Toastmasters. I don't know if you know what Toastmasters is. Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're big. Just checking. I mean, for all the talkers, I almost joined Toastmasters when I lived in DC, but then I chickened out. (laughs) (laughs) No, you must try it. I'm like, no, I'm not ready to do But hey, now I'm doing podcasts. So maybe one day I'll join. (laughs) Oh, that's true. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I joined Toastmasters as a, to 
build that confidence in particular when I'm communicating with others, especially if you're making a speech or presentation. But what I've used it for now is anytime a downtime, you, you know, they encourage you to, to speak as often as possible in terms of having prepared speeches. And I will make my speeches around my imposter and that is even how the cause of the word came from was writing the speech because it forces you to interrogate because seven minutes to mm. speak and you have you can't waffle to have a, a opening a body and a conclusion it has to have some kind of thread it must be interesting for your audience etc so you're thinking to your audience and you're interrogating yourself and really want to talk about this and so i i don't think it's really intentional Mm. but it was on my mind and so as I was putting the speech together it really weave itself through and I found that to be quite classic mm. instances I'm in a situation uh, recently I was in a situation where uh, somebody who we were, we thought was in Oya did something that that proved that this person was not vested Oya as as much as you know as three founders mm. and it and the, in the match this was done had a love on me I just took some time went and hung out with other beautiful powerful women mm. and reminded myself as to why I'm doing this and myself it's important and I think that whole idea of where you say that you mustn't take other people's narratives. Oh yeah, it's very so dangerous. I... Very dangerous. Oh my god, so dangerous. It's one narrative. So no, I, yeah, I feel very passionate about yeah. it because I see it a lot. You know, this one narrative that everybody's taking on, and it's like nothing or no one is a monolith. We all just need to chill out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just let people be. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> And then I, I am actually a writer. I, I struggle to say that. Um, I once had a, a conversation with a, a potential life coach. And mm. when I said to her, I, I want a writer, she told me, no, you must say you are a writer. Mm. It's not about whether you're, you've published anything or witness or whatever for it. It's what, you know, what you are. It's your soul. She said, when I would speak about writing, my face would light. So I'm, I'm trying. That's another form of me getting mm-hmm. my confidence up. So I'm a writer. And so I also find that when I write, when I feel this, I write, that, that helps to, I feel so alive after that. Mm. So I guess it's finding things that might your that remind you wonderful and, and powerful you are. That I'm, yes, I'm not perfect, mm. but there are things I'm good at, and absolutely to do more of that to help build your confidence. So, you've when taken you on very, these are very practical tools. I mean, you have a coach, you've joined Toastmasters, these are very practical steps that, that you've taken. Do you ever yes. struggle to balance confidence versus coming across as arrogant or presumptuous? or a bit uh, vain, do you ever struggle with that? Yes, mm. I do. Me too. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and I guess it's, 
I have so many people call me opinionated, it's so angry whenever. And I always, ironic, it's also part of the reason for Toastmasters. I need to figure out if it tone. So I'm in a place, I think an element of it is yes, there are times when I do, because I can tell become obnoxious. Yeah, I'm human, and yeah. I know I was taken over, and I'm aware of it. And when I become, I pull myself back, or I just stop myself talking. So that's yeah. usually the one way to prevent things from getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes I'll only discover the ego words, and then I will reflect and figure out where this is coming from to manage yeah. this better. There yeah. are instances when I actually am not being egotistical at all. Mm-hmm. I in in some instances something I am well aware of mm. and I'm speaking with confidence about a topic or actually just asking you out of interest and more and people's reactions to me uh, are not what I expect it to be. So I, I'm in this weird space of, I do know that there are times when, you know, fair enough for mm. being called out and being egotistical, arrogant or in those instances. Yes. I'll be like 100 hours. Yeah. And as an element again, back to that whole concept of people and I, and you know you mentioned America yes South Africa is very similar to America in oh America. yes I think it's because oh of, yes South Africa so colonization oh. and, a, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so having a black woman despite the fact that we're in the majority you know um, yeah but the structures people, the structures are very similar the, the racial structure the racialization the crime, the violence, there's a lot of parallels between both of the countries, I think. Yes, yeah. oh, 100%. Mm. And when they see a black woman who is confident, mm. and this is not even just necessarily white people, can also be black people. Oh, of course, anybody. I know, people off. Yeah. I think any, puts, a, woman, a confident woman pisses everybody off. Other women, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, the, the, the binary people, the non-binary people, everybody gets pissed off when a woman is confident. It threatens people and it's in your own culture, in your own ethnicity. Uh, just yeah. people, people aren't comfortable with a woman like owning her power like that. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people aren't. Yeah. 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 And I think that's why we struggle with arrogance versus confidence because i don't know too many men that struggle with arrogance versus confidence i know a lot of guys who are pretty <laughs> who are pretty arrogant and i'd be like didn't you think that was arrogance and no that was just how i felt whereas a woman would kind of be like, oh, <laughs> did, I, did, I, did i come across that way oh no i didn't mean that you know and i think it's because we know that we're yeah. always, we know we're always being judged oh look at what she said yeah that's- we're not humble enough we're not and i think uh, I don't know. Striving, striving between the. I know for me personally, when I'm in the flow, that's not arrogance. That's just, yeah. and I just, it just, I'm just doing what I'm doing, and everything comes natural. But when I'm in my ego, and that's usually when I'm in my logical self, and I'm thinking about things, and 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 so on. That's when it's more arrogance than anything else. And sometimes I'm okay, and I'm like, okay, I check myself. But other times I'm just, like you said, you, I come across as a bit obnoxious. But then I kind of think, well, mm, I'm human. <laughs> and I try, to, yeah. <laughs> I try to do better, but I definitely, I definitely know when I'm being arrogant and a bit obnoxious versus when I'm just confidently in my space and I'm in my zone and I know yeah. it's kind of like, I got it and I don't need anybody to, to, to validate me, you know? <laughs> 
I'm just yeah. doing my thing. I'm just doing my thing. And I guess that's kind of that authentic power versus external power. Because I think the external power is where the ego comes in because maybe that's coming from an insecurity and a place of lack. Yeah. And, and, and versus true. the authentic self, which is just, I know what I'm saying and I know what I'm doing and it feels right and it just flows, flows properly. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you maintain your confidence? I mean, you're, you're still in very early stages. You said two months. So I'm sure you're going through a lot. So share with us, for example, if, you, if, you, if you're able to, some of the experiences you've been having and, and how have you been able to maintain your, your confidence throughout all of it? Oh, um, I suppose so one of the things that I personally have been struggling is that in this early stages, it becomes so difficult because we're, we know what our big heritage goal is, we know what purpose is, but we know how we're going to get there. So it changes you know, from day to day or week to week in terms of the exact way that we are going to have that impact or deliver on, on the purpose. And when you tell people, you can just people's faces look at you like, oh God, this, is, this makes no sense to me. Like, are you going to make money? Like some people are blatantly like, I don't understand how you're going to make money. Other people say, oh, that sounds amazing. But you know, <laughs> in, in what you're doing. And so it, you start to try to quickly make a quick fix of, okay, I'm, let me do this because this will make money. Mm. It's been traditional. So it's not a new one. It is necessarily aligned to the end goal at all mm. um but, uh, so i personally i'm struggling with that and it for us so we have a business coach mm. who we meet with once a week and so it kind of keeps us in check and that's one of the ways that we're trying to ensure that we are actually building fun and at the end of the day we have that, um, things that we can actually implement and you can see it is coming from that but it's this weird where and it, I guess it boils down to the and everyone seeing these huge unicorns in the US etc make mm. much money and so when you say you're a star people are just saying oh it's the maker for us for us, it was more about we want to have a huge impact. It wasn't necessarily about making money. Not everybody out there is trying to create these unicorns. Some people are just genuinely in it to do some good. You know, it's like <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But people look down on you for that. Like it's we live in a world where capitalism is on steroids. And oh God, yes, even <laughs> out of control. Out of the eye. So the idea of um, anybody trying to do something for them, because I think for us, we are seeing more long-term. We can build something. Yes, we want it to be sustaining. Yes, we want to generate money, revenue. 
But the whole reason for building it is not just to make money. It's to you want to have impact. Build yes. an e- yes to build an ecosystem that allows for female entrepreneurs to build businesses that are sustainable yes. across the continent because of the the wide um, and the long lasting impact it can have this continent. And I mean, we're, we're tired not- of people seeing us as a basket case. Yeah, and we're not, I was just going to say, we're not naive. We're not saying that businesses aren't supposed to be profitable and businesses aren't supposed to, you know, achieve in terms of the numbers. Obviously, yes. But (laughs) it's not about, you don't have to compromise all of your values and your integrity to, to be profitable. It's also about considering how can you do some good with this and you know people label it social entrepreneurship yeah. and that's fine or what have you i'm not really into the labels i just think you can do good and and also be successful in terms of the money and i i really believe that because we're like our generation the generation after us are so socially conscious like we're much more i guess if you want to call it woke <laughs> than previous <laughs> And I mean, the millennials are and Generation Z even more so. Yeah. People are tired of the normal way of doing business. They want something. They, it, they look around them and they see things aren't right. So I just feel like um, not everybody's out there trying to create unicorns. Not that there's anything bad with the unicorns. I mean, we need them. Absolutely. And, and huge success to them. And there's so much to learn from them. But not everybody's in it for that. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah, some people just really want to, and I think, like you said, when you when you come from a country, um, I did an interview with um, a gentleman, a professor um, Goldberg, who teaches a lot. He's taught all over the world in developing economies, and we talked about the fact that many developing economies they are developing because there's a lot of poverty, lack of infrastructure, etc., etc., etc. When you grow up in these kinds of societies you see how people are living and you see the real impact that your work is having versus if you grew up in a rich country in North America or in Western Europe or in Australia, these things don't exist. So maybe you are more in it to become a unicorn because that's the next step. You already, you're already from an advanced rich nation. But if you're coming from a poor little country in the Caribbean or an impoverished nation in Asia or somewhere in, you know, a, a sort of developing, growing, emerging economy in, in Africa, your perspective and your view of the world and the way things work is very different. And you, you see it. You can see it in your family. You see it in your neighbors. You know, you see it when you go out on the street. There's shanties on the side of the road and people live there. And yeah. you, you see it. So I think it's just, it's more, you've got more passion about doing good, I think, perhaps, you know, than, than not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I like how you guys have taken practical steps. You've gotten uh, a coach. So what else? What else have you guys done to maintain your confidence? What about things like surrounding yourself with um, with with like-minded people? Have you guys joined like networks and and things like that? So there are a couple of networks that we are looking to partner with because, in essence, we are trying to create a network but it's amazing how when you tell people what OEM means especially because OEM is like what is it's even in South Africa or oh, actually probably even around people have never heard of OEM mm. and so people are more interested by that and as you tell them more about it in particular and 
then get so excited. I then will be treating another woman who is trying to do something mm. similar, not quite the same, but good. And so when you start to meet these other women, it helps because you start to realize how important it is and how people who actually are excited, and there are some men as well, a few, but there are some men who are also <laughs> few. <excited laughs> I love you. Most of them are, you can, they look at you like, oh yeah, feminist you <laughs> i know i know um, come on man come on yeah. <laughs> or, or some of them say you know what about us men and oh, then i have to sit and explain to them about it not about anti-men it's just about and then you explain the stats see this is calm down and yeah. the thing which is you know very similar to the concept of why same with male privilege where the moment you say concentrate on someone who is not you you're like but what about me and that's the privilege and that's (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you know you know you know there's that saying how does it go for equality feels like oppression for the privileged or something like that it's always privileged people saying well what about what about the men well oh so what what about the 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 white people or what about you know whatever whatever group in the situation and you just think really come on but you know people when you're very (laughs) privileged you just don't know you know because you you hang around with the same type of people who think like you and act like you and I guess you know you're exposed to something different you just don't know so by you explaining to guys it's it's a learning process for them and I think a lot of guys are genuinely just they're clueless like they don't know because they live in their own, they live in very yes. different roles to us as women. So how yes. could they possibly know? But I like the guys that are at least open yeah. and trying to understand. And then you have those guys that just shut down and they don't want to hear anything because they think that they, they think you're trying to <laughs> threaten their, their, their man space. And it's not masculinity. About, yeah. It's yes. not about that. It's just, it's not about that at all. It's not about that at all. Yeah. So yeah. In terms of, um, like okay moving forward what kind of impact do you yes. we talked a lot about impact what kind of impact do you want this business to have like where do you see it say five years from now so we're looking at actually creating physical as well as virtual for mm-hmm. women in five years time I'd like us to have presence in who two or three West African countries and another two East African countries. Mm. We'd like to, we're also looking at creating an angel. Nice. So in five years time, we're hoping to have maybe at that stage, 10, 10 businesses that we are investing in and helping to, to grow um, scale and become more sustainable. It's an element, it is a little bit more capitalistic, the aim fund aspect. Mm. Um, but I am, I guess for me, the case of if you are going to lift the African continent, yeah, I know some people won't be, they'll say, need new solutions, and I agree, we do. The current situation, I do think that we have to start taking the structures that are out there, the Western walls that are being brought in here, uh, modernizing it or um, testing it for the African context, but 
tailoring most of the money yeah retailing it to the african continent um do do still think at this point in time cap a capitalistic view of quasi-capitalistic view is to change the narrative mm. of how people and not just non-africans but as well as africans yeah and and also people in the caribbean because you know the majority of us from the caribbean are of african descent and yeah so yes, when i say african i mean Af- in the diaspora <laughs> yeah because i can't speak for african americans that's not my culture and heritage but i know there's a lot of intermarrying between Africans and and West Indian people or whatnot and so on and so forth but I still think there's a huge disconnect because a lot of us don't learn about Africa in our educational system Um, and when we do it's from a perspective of this is where you came from as enslaved Africans so it almost makes it seem like history started in Africa with slavery which is which we know isn't true um you know so you don't really start learning about Africa until you get a bit older again I'm talking about my generation I am not I, I I'm not in the Caribbean being educated now so I don't know how things have changed but I know friends and people have told me it's you know you still don't learn that much about Africa um yeah. you know you get involved with model UN and cultural exchanges and so on but I think the average Caribbean person doesn't know a lot about Africa. There's still people in the Caribbean who have a very disparaging view of, of Africa. They'll, they'll look at themselves and they'll say they're not African or they're not black. And you kind of go, well, mm-hmm. okay, if you say so. <laughs> and um, yes, I think it's also, I think with the rise of the African continent, that also helps to rise the spirit of Africanness and African consciousness in in the diasporan parts of the world whether it be the u.s or the caribbean or latin america so that's important too yes yeah yeah so what words of encouragement do you have for what i think is so great is that this is so fresh and so new because you're not very you just started so you can really speak from your experience so what words of encouragement do you have for women who are dealing with um with uh, you know the the syndrome, we call it. We can call it the syndrome because we all know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> or or lack of confidence. I mean, you 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 told us about the tools that you use and different things that that you do. But um, yeah. What would you What would you like to say to them who are listening in? I guess what I'd say is, you know, spend time with people want who like you, you know friends in particular sometimes family can be may not necessarily be the right girl to be spend time with friends mm. who who know you and who have chosen to be in in your life chosen your flaws chosen yeah, yeah. They've, mm-hmm. they've chosen you mm-hmm. and, and every now and then why why I chose you ask them what strengths what are the strengths that they see in you because sometimes you get bogged down and you can't really see your own value mm-hmm. and and then and you know ask several friends mm. because you know sometimes that syndrome in a way and you don't really believe what other people but ask several friends and then uh what this one life coach said for me which i think is a, a great thing and i use that more regularly is 
all of that, choose a totem animal or phrase or something. So she chose for me dragon. So dragon is wise, confident, strong, courageous. Mm. Any time I'm feeling imposter syndrome or my thinking, what, what did I think I could ever do this? Maybe yeah. I'm not an entrepreneur. Because those are thoughts that you might go, especially if you haven't been an entrepreneur, if you've been in the corporate space for a bit, or you were an entrepreneur, went to corporate and trying again. Yeah. And sometimes we always want to go to the safe space. We think it's safe to be an, mm-hmm. uh, an employee. It's not but always safe. But a, but a true entrepreneur, bad for your health. A, a yeah. true entrepreneur hates being an employee. They, they hate every minute of it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so so it feels safe the money perspective perhaps but when you're in there you you feel trapped right Um, the very nature of being entrepreneurial is you know you your ideas are different you you think differently you want to solve problems you've got innovation you've got ideas and you're in this space where you're being told this is what you have to do and this is how you have to do it yeah even though companies talk about intrapreneurship not a lot of organizations yeah. that so you just end up just losing your your essence your spirit and you you just have to find a way to get out i'm sorry you just have to get out <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. true but like when you're when you're in those doubts you start to think about maybe i was better it was better for me safer for me because you know those fears come up hold on to whatever phrase and and you know, say it back to yourself. Remind yourself why you're doing this. Remind yourself what your strengths are. Let's mm. uh, see. I mean, I'm no expert, but that's what's helping me get through those tough times because it happens where you're like, "What am I doing? Am yeah. I going to end up homeless in somewhere?" Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was egg on my face, and, and you know. I've also started to, every time I get fears, I also remind myself that every single failure is either just be a failure or it can be a lesson. Yeah. And we love failing because that's how we learn. Fail, <laughs> fail. And, you know, it's good to fail in the beginning and make all your mistakes in the beginning and, and, and allow yourself to fail and don't pretend that you know everything. Because no one yeah. knows everything. Yeah. No, not at all. But sometimes it feels like other people know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Speak to really, other people. Really speak don't. to other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that your kitty cat in the background? That's a, welcome, sorry. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Your, your kitty cat is making a cameo on your behalf. Okay, good. good, good. No, but that's really... Um, <laughs> That's really good. That's really, really good advice. Is, was there anything else you wanted to add or was that it? Um, oh, and then I guess just speak to other women, other entrepreneurs. Mm. And I say women, if you, if you are a female entrepreneur, because when you speak, I've spoken to male entrepreneurs, they're great. Mm. But they're, they, they never show the, their feet, they're always very confident. Everything is going great. Even when they're failing, it's hard. They don't, they're not vulnerable. They don't allow themselves to be vulnerable. No. That's weakness for them, you know. And We're, a lot of the times, they're just as scared and just as, you know, screwed up as yeah. they are. But they put up a good front. They put up a good front. A lot of them do. 
that they do that they do but that works that's their that's their coping mechanism and that's their mask that's the masculine mask that they wear and that's that's a coping mechanism and that's fine but I personally don't want to do that I need to express myself and I need to say how I'm feeling and I need to feel like I can talk to other people because I need to process those feelings you know I don't want to bottle them up that's not healthy yeah yeah so no that's very good so speak to other women entrepreneurs i would definitely agree and share and and talk and allow yourself to say oh my gosh i have no idea what i'm doing but hey you know okay we're just gonna keep going see how it goes along so yeah wonderful brilliant okay so where can we find you okay do you have a website or do you have an email address if people want to reach out to you and talk to you some more or collaborate with you ask you some questions yeah so our website is oya o-y-a venture v-e-t-u-r-e dot com oyavent.com there's a contact form there as well that you can fill out Okay. Uh, to call me, we can contact me at Charlotte C H A R L O T E at weareventure.com. Right. We are we've got a Twitter page, we've got a Facebook page and an Instagram. Oh it's LinkedIn. So you can also one of those as well. You can also con- connect with me on LinkedIn page, my personal mm-hmm. LinkedIn page at Charlotte Luzuka. And if you put oil adventure, it should also come up in the search. And we'll include all of that on the the website as well. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And then in terms of anyone who would like to reach out and look, as I said, early days, but we're all about collaborating and and we would love to connect with female entrepreneurs who might be doing something similar or or who is somebody who's looking for some support Mm -hmm. anywhere on the African continent. Mm. If you're in South Africa, great, because in particular, if you're in Johannesburg, Korea, we can meet with you quite, or Cape Town even, we can meet you quite easily and quickly. But wherever you are on the continent, there's uh, technology that can help us meet up and connect with you. So. Great, because I was just going to ask, is there anything that you're looking for or anything that you need? And you just said it. So, all right. Well, before... We departure. I would like to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was really nice speaking with you and listening to your journey and um, just hearing you express how you how you solve your problems. I think you take a very pragmatic and practical approach, which is very sensible. I like that. I like that. You know, I have a problem with imposter syndrome. I joined Toastmasters to build my confidence. I have like I like. I like your approach. I think that's admirable. And I think, I think that's something that other people can, can um, take on as well and incorporate. And, you know, thank you for, I know you haven't been doing it for long, but just having the idea and having the confidence, there you go, confidence to put this all <laughs> thank you. in action with your, um, with your co-founders is really, really great. So thank you for, for bringing your idea to the table. And I know that it's going to be successful. So I think you said in five years, you, you, you mentioned all the things you want to have. You're going to be in 10 countries. You're going to be doing this and that. So five years, we're going to hold you accountable. And you've got to be <laughs> thank you. So thank you for all the work that yeah, you're doing. Pressure is good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, again, thank you for all the work that you're doing. 
and this was really really great and um, that's it rare ones so you know how to reach Charlotte and we will have more information on the website so please don't be shy do reach out and until next time bye for now bye 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 <laughs>